Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's good to be back uh, from, as you probably noticed, last week I wasn't here. I was up in uh, cool Sholo. It was tough. It was, it was really hard, uh, but, uh, and I missed, you know, I missed you guys so dearly. It just, it wasn't the same waking up early in the morning and watching the sunrise with my sweater on and not being sweaty at all. It was tough, but I, I made it. I made it. Thank you for your prayers. Um, but either, either way, well, welcome. Uh, today is one of those days where I feel like I need to kind of get into every few years where we get to talk about heaven and hell and what the Bible actually says and what the Bible actually teaches compared to what we often believe, which isn't in the Bible. Uh, and what does Jesus actually say about all this? Uh, now, I only have a few minutes, right? I only, it's so long today. So what I'm going to refer you to uh, is to look up online. You can get it on our YouTube channel and on our church website, lordofgrace.org. I've got links to it. We had a class last fall, and Pastor Stewart uh, up there, you, you know him, he's filled in here before. He calls it the S-Course, Sin, Satan, and Salvation. Uh, he goes into much greater depth. He gives a really good description of all the different ways that sort of heaven and hell are talked about in the New Testament. It's not as many ways as you think there are. And um, so I'll refer you to him because he can cover it all in more detail than I can. Uh, but today, I do kind of feel like I need to get into it because we have this story in our gospel reading today in the Gospel of Luke. And this is one of those stories where people, that people turn to to learn about what is hell like and what does the Bible teach. So just to, you know, the run, the run through again, uh, what are we looking at? It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. This is not the Lazarus who come, Jesus raises from the dead. Right? This is a different Lazarus. This is an imaginary Lazarus, right? Because it's a parable, and parables are made-up stories. They're not historical stories, and they're made up. They teach us different things, and they're designed to challenge us to think about things. Um, so they're not literal, uh, but let's recap it quick. What do you have? You have a rich guy, an imaginary rich guy named Lazarus, or a rich guy. I'm sorry, he doesn't have a name. Rich guy doesn't have a name. We just call him rich guy. Uh, and it says he has these big feasts in his courtyard, like I was explaining to the kids. You know, he's got this kind of squarish house. He'd have these feasts, and Lazarus was out there by the gate looking in, and you get this really gross picture of the dogs licking his sores. Uh, and he begs the rich guy for food, and he gets nothing, right? And then the scene cuts to when they're dead. And it says, it's an interesting line with Lazarus, it says, the angels came and carried him away to Abraham. Uh, carried him away to be with Abraham. It doesn't say where the place is where Abraham is. It's just where Abraham is. Uh, and the rich man, it says he dies and goes to Hades. Hades is the word he used. Now, Hades is interesting because Hades is a Greek word, right? Hades, if you remember your Greek myths, uh, if you remember your Percy Jackson novels, Hades is one of the titans. They were the gods who came before the Olympians, before Zeus and all of them. And Hades got stuck with managing the underworld. So Hades is a person, really, not a place. And in Hades' underworld, in Greek myth, there were good places and bad places. Uh, there were, you could go to, say, Tartarus, 
which was the bad part of bad part of the underworld, where you could be like the guy who has to push the rock up the hill, or the, the tantalus who can never grab the grapes, or you could be in another place, the Elysian fields, or the happy hunting grounds, um, also known as Wisconsin. <laughs> right? Where you literally, that's all you would do for eternity is run around and, and hunt deer. I mean, I know some people, that's heaven, right? Um, but that was, how the, that was how the Greek word was. And it's interesting because Jesus here is using that Greek reference. It's not a word that appears anywhere in the Old Testament. He's pulling it out of Greek myth. And so it always makes me wonder, how literally did Jesus believe in it, or was he just using this as part of his story? But either way, in this parable, uh, the rich guy ends up in Greek, some version of Greek Hades, and it's hot, and there's fire, and he has nothing to drink. And he sees Lazarus, it just says far away, it doesn't say on high, it says he's far away, and he sees Lazarus with Abraham, and he begs him, he begs Abraham, he says, I got brothers, let me go back, let me go back and warn them uh, so that they'll change their ways. And Abraham basically looks at him and says, dude, you have the law, you have the prophets, you have the scriptures, God has already told you everything that you need to do. God has already taught you and everybody else what is right. You, it won't make any difference if I send somebody back from the dead. They won't be convinced. If they weren't convinced by everything that God has already sent you, what makes you think they're going to be scared by fear of burning in Hades? And so there's a bunch of different takeaways that people have from this. Uh, it's a little bit of a Rorschach test, I think, versus for about what you're looking for in the scriptures. One says, this is clearly proof of a literal hell that's a physical place with fires and torments for eternity. Bible says, gotcha, boom, right? Another takeaway would be, well, if that's literal, then you better, you, you, you better sell your house and sell your car and live in a tent and, and get your clothes from the goodwill and give every blessed last penny you have away because if you don't give enough away, you're going to burn, right? I mean, if the first part, if it's literal that there's a hell and you go there for not giving enough money away and it doesn't say what the dollar amount is, you better start, you better start forking over. You better go into your wallet slash bank account slash Apple Pay slash PayPal. It always used to be so much easier in preaching to just say, dig into your wallet. And now you go, what's in your wallet? And everybody goes, nothing. Everything's on my smartphone. So dig into your smartphone. I mean, if this is literal, if fire and flame for eternity is what you get for not giving enough away, you better start giving if that's what you believe. And it's funny how the number of people who want to teach a literal hell of eternal torment also never seem to teach and you get there if you don't give enough to the poor. Um, it's always other sins that end up landing you there, right? And, you know, but I wonder, isn't this kind of missing the whole point of it? I mean, Abraham says, point blank in the story, fear is not going to motivate any of those people to change. So he tells the guy, fear isn't going isn't to change him. You can't scare them into change. You can't scare them into making a new lifestyle choice. It won't get any repentance. I mean, he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. 
So couldn't there be a third takeaway in this one? That is, you can't scare people into faith. That, that, and you can't, you know, wow them, on the other hand, by raising someone from the dead. That neither, heaven, neither, the, neither the, the possibility of heaven nor the fear of hell motivate people to believe or to change their ways. You see these billboards on I-10. I was driving up I-10 the other day, right? And they always seem to land like somewhere between, I think it's like around Picacho up to Casa Grande is where you see them. And they used to be like really blunt, like, you know, uh, are you going to hell? You know, go to our website or something like that. Um, I, when I was up there, going up there yesterday, it was a little different. I think they've toned it down a little bit. It was something like, you know, God has a plan for you or something. I don't know if it'll change anyone's minds, but I certainly prefer the messaging. But remember when they used to, it used to be like flames. I remember seeing one, they actually had a picture of fire on it, you know? And I was like, oh man, you know, I, I'll bet everyone who drove by that thing went, oh man, I'm going to uninstall Tinder and get my butt to church now. I saw that billboard. I, I'd be surprised if even one person did. Because it's like Father Abraham says, it is not the fear that's going to motivate them. I, I was even at a county fair one time. It was a county fair up in Minnesota years ago. This guy has a tent, you know, one of those little pop-up tents, like what people do at soccer games and stuff. And uh, they had a little banner, and it said, are you going to heaven or hell? Uh, take a quiz. <laughs> and, and he was sitting there on a stool, and he had a little notepad, take a quiz. You could write it out and find out if you were going to go to heaven or hell. He, he apparently knew the, knew the boxes you could check. I wonder if how many of them were give money to the homeless was included on that. I don't know. He sat all by himself. The whole time, I never saw him get any customers. Um, and I think probably my favorite, my favorite hell story, I love to tell this one. I, I've been here 12 years, so I'm sure you'll get the same stories over and over at some point. But uh, this friend of mine, he's from North Carolina, and his family went to one of these little sort of backcountry, you know, hole-in-the-wall Baptist churches. And he said he had this uncle, and his uncle was just... He was hardcore, he was fundamentalist, and he was like the super pillar of the church. You know, the guy who'd been there like 50, 60, 70 years, something like that. Half the church was related to him, he built half the things in there, and this new pastor starts out, and his first funeral is that guy. And, and he's like, all right, well, I better get this right, because, you know, every, you know the, everyone knows this guy, I don't want to get fired, better do, he says, well, Apparently, this uncle's dying wish. And he looked at this young pastor and he said, I want you to let people know what hell is like at my funeral so they don't go there. So picture this. So he's at the funeral, you know, and you're reading all this in my father's house. There are many mansions and Psalm 23. And then suddenly it's, uh, all right. And the guy got up there and he's like, so-and-so, Uncle Bob, whatever his name was, asked me to tell you what hell's like. So I need to tell you what hell's like. It's bad. People, it's bad. People there are screaming. I mean, you should just hear the screams. And then he starts making the noises. They're screaming like this. And, and, and my friend's explaining it to me like everybody's like trying not to laugh. 
instead of scaring, and they're all feeling bad for the poor guy because he's afraid he's going to lose his job if he doesn't do what Mr. Pillar said, and, uh, and he's making these noises, and instead of being scared, everybody's like biting their tongue. They talk, that, that little corner in North Carolina, I think, talked about that for days to go. I don't think a single, of course, they were all churchgoers anyway, so I don't know what the point was, but um, I don't think it changed anyone's mind or anyone's faith. I don't think no matter how much screaming noises I could make, um, it, would, it would motivate anyone. And maybe, so maybe the point, getting back, to, getting back to our parable, maybe the point of the story is not that so much that there is a literal hell, but that's our takeaway, that Jesus is trying to explain to us that there is a literal, physical hell that happens to have the exact same name as the Greek afterlife, that, which is a terrible place that we should fear. Maybe the point, maybe the point is the opposite. Uh, that it's a waste of time to worry about it and that maybe we should focus on changing our own lives instead, on following God's word that we already have. You know, it's always this thing, you know, where we like to pick out parts of the Bible that agree with what we want and sort of ignore the inconvenient parts and there's a process. We all do have to do a certain sorting and shifting and canon within a canon and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, you always notice those who believe in a literal hell rarely talk about going there because you didn't donate enough to the shelter. Right? You see, the whole hell thing, for as big of a deal as it is in so many churches, it's not a big deal in the Bible. And I don't know if you know this, but... If you go back to the Old Testament, all 37 books, it's most of your Bible. All the confirmation kids always got to learn this, right? The New Testament is this much, and the Old Testament is like this thick. And all the books in the Old Testament, there is no heaven and there is no hell in the Old Testament. No reference. Um, 1,500 years of God's people following God's word, and they didn't believe in either a heaven or a hell. What did they believe in? In the Old Testament, when you die, you go to a place called Sheol. Sheol, it's a dusty, kind of dry, dark place, and you sleep there. And you don't come out, and you aren't raised, and that's just it, you're done. Good or bad, you go to Sheol. So it'll say, for example, that King David, you know, attacked the Philistines and he slew thousands and thousands of them and sent the Philistines to Sheol. And then David dies and, and David went to Sheol with his ancestors. I'm like, oh, I'll bet that was awkward. <laughs> be, 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 they'd be like the cop being on the prison yard, right? You know, David, we got to talk to you. But that's how it was. Everyone just went there. Um, and so that, that was how the Old Testament went. Right now, when you get into the New Testament, in the New Testament, you start gets a little bit different. There you have divided beliefs. You have some Jewish people who believe in a resurrection and some who don't. Those who don't are called Sadducees, and Jesus will have arguments with them. And then there's those called Pharisees who do believe in a resurrection, like Jesus did. And, but it was even a debate, even in Jesus' time. They went back and forth on this. But neither of them believed in an eternal punishment. That just wasn't part of the 
understanding of things. They never talked about it. The Pharisees never come up to Jesus and go, so Jesus, is level hell, uh, level five of hell worse than level four? You know, all that level stuff is Dante. That's not in the Bible. But the debate was, will God raise his followers from Sheol one day? Jesus said absolutely yes. He agreed with the Pharisees on that. But what about, what did he say in the rest of it? Well, he doesn't really say about, and he doesn't really talk about everybody who doesn't believe. That's not really a question that he comes up with. Um, the, you sometimes do get few passages that sort of talk about a punishment that might be. For example, let's look at Matthew 5. Right, this is a famous one. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Oh, and I know someone's going, ah, Lars, I gotcha. See, Jesus said hell. Well, actually, the word is Gehenna. Gehenna is an actual place. You can still go there today. It's a valley outside of the city of Jerusalem where they used to dump their trash. And there were trash fires all the time. So it was kind of a smelly, perpetually burning place. It would be like me getting up in the pulpit and saying, if your hand causes you to sin, it would be better to cut it off than to have your whole body thrown into the waste management Avra Valley uh, uh, Marana landfill on Avra Valley Road. If you've ever been there, please don't throw my body there. Put me under a creosote bush or something first, please. But that's what he's saying. One's better than the other. And you would think, you would think that if there was this prospect of a literal, physical eternity of torture and flames, that Jesus would be, this, he'd be on top of that, that this should be front and center to everything. Who cares about Samaritans and prodigal sons? The question is, what do I have to do to not burn forever and always? You'd think he would be sitting there in the Gospel of John going, I came to make sure they don't get eternal hellfire. You would think that would be the only thing he talked about all the time. Who cares if people live right, as long as they live right enough to not go to hell? But it's amazing Jesus talks so little about something that should be so important. Right? But he doesn't, he doesn't ever come up to someone and say, you know what, you, you better watch your P's and Q's there, Caiaphas. You're going to burn in hell. I mean, at least he could have told Pilate he was going to hell. Right? He would have seemed like an obvious choice. You know, Barabbas, like, hey, Jesus, I'm going free. And Jesus could have gone, yeah, but you're going to burn in hell, Barabbas. <laughs> I look at this parable, and what I see is a little bit more of Jesus being concerned about how we live our lives today than what happens after death. I look at this parable, and the point I don't see is what exactly does it look like for bad people after they die. And maybe part of the point is don't waste your time trying to convince people to act lovingly because they're afraid of a punishment. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe that's what Father Abraham is trying to teach us here. Maybe that's what Jesus is trying to say. Don't build your evangelism program around scaring people. Don't build your Sunday school around scaring people. Don't build your theology around that. Yes, we believe in a resurrection. We absolutely believe that. I will shout that from the rooftops till the day I die. But if I'm going to talk to someone who's suspicious of religion or unfamiliar with Jesus, 
I'm going to focus on the other things about Jesus. I'm going to say, hey, look at what a great guy Jesus was. Look at how loving he was. Look at, how, look at what Jesus did, how he was inclusive of sinners and tax collectors. Look at how he was so loving, he even loved the enemies and the people who hated him. Look at how forgiving he was. Look at how God loves us and lifts us up in our pain and our sorrows and holds us in troubles. Look at how God changed my life and can change yours. Look at how I'm a different person because of Jesus. I think that's something you might get someone on board with. That's a message. And we have that message in the scriptures. Moses and the prophets and Jesus, we don't need fear of eternal torment. Jesus alone is all we need. Amen.